All right, tonight, as I said, we're starting this new series on the Holy Spirit. And to begin talking about that, I want to talk about chaos. Chaos is something that if you have a pulse and breathe, you are far too familiar with in the world. Chaos is a state of disarray and unpredictability uh, that often produces confusion and disorder and damage. We, I would submit, all know what this feels like. Um, our lives are filled with chaos, with things that feel murky and formless, confusing and unpredictably disordered. There's chaos in, in the world around us. We've got endless wars, it feels like, this whole thing with Ukraine and Russia. And if it's not them, it's something else. Uh, there's chaos in our government with a, a seemingly mentally questionable executive branch and a corrupt and paralyzed legislature and a increasingly polarized judicial branch. Uh, there's the cost of gas and inflation and housing and all this economic uncertainty, supply chain shortages. Uh, there's deep, deep divisions and, and hatred across positions on race and gender and abortion and sexual orientation. There is chaos in the world. And there's chaos in our personal lives. We have people to take care of. We have people to check in on. We have work, we have appointments, we have meetings, we have additions, we have families to take care of, we have groceries to buy and food to prepare and um, social lives to try to have, I've heard, that's the thing, uh, events that we have to be at, events to get our kids to, weddings to plan, schoolwork to do, um, houses to move out of, houses to move into, jobs to leave, jobs to find, bills to pay. And somewhere in all of that, we're supposed to also sleep and then also find time uh, for deep spiritual connection with God. It's chaos. There's chaos in our health. There's exercise. There's diet. There's medication and dosages. There's vaccines. There's new COVID variants. And now there's monkeypox, which I don't even know what that is, but it sounds like something I don't want. There's chaos. We feel chaos in our relationships as they become strained and, and broken. Is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with them? Is this just a hard season or, or is there something else going on here? Should I be doing something? Should I stop doing something? Are they getting what they need? Am I being selfish or neglectful? There's chaos. There's chaos in our hearts. Or at least there is in mine. I resonate so much with that second song and, and third song that we sang tonight. I, I do what I don't want to do. And I don't do what I want to do. I have an idea of who God made me to be to be and I desire to grow into that person. And then I know all the ways that I daily choose the opposite of that. I think chaos is our default. It's, it's what we produce when left to our own devices. At least I know that's the case for me. Apart from a relationship with God, chaos engulfs my existence. I am caustic <laughs> to everyone that I care about. I, I fall into uh, this like pendulum swing between trying to control everything and then just being in this like abyss of apathy. And nothing makes sense. And I feel like I'm, I'm like constantly treading water that doesn't matter. <laughs> we all know what chaos outside and inside of us feels like. And somehow, for some reason, even though it's something that we all experience, on a deep level, we know that chaos is not how things are supposed to be. We long for order, for purpose, for meaning. That's 
what the world should be like. Chaos on a fundamental level feels wrong. And you know how I know this? Because everyone hates weeds. No one looks at a beautiful lawn and sees it covered in weeds and thinks that's the way the world should be. If you've ever tried to get rid of weeds, you have never thought, gosh, I love that these things keep coming back. Weeds are the embodiment of chaos. How do people tend to deal with weeds? There are very, very few of us who just decide to daily or weekly just go pull up all the weeds. There tend to be two responses to weeds. We kill them, we poison them, we burn them. We often end up <laughs> killing everything, but we got the weeds. In our attempt to control, we spread even more chaos. The other way that we deal with weeds is just ignore them. Like, it's pointless. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many times I kill these things, they're just going to come back. So we allow them to spread and overtake and, and choke out everything. Again, just adding more chaos. We try to fight chaos that we experience or, or we resign ourselves to like, this is just the way the world is. This is just how things are and give up. And either way, I think we sink deeper and deeper into it. Whether we try to control or channel or just resign ourselves to it, we produce more. And I think that's because on a fundamental level, we are trying to do what only the Holy Spirit can do in us. We're trying to do what only we can do with the Holy Spirit's help. Bring order to chaos, to coax life and purpose and meaning out of the world. Now, if you've been around church before, I'm willing to bet that I know if you've been here, you've heard about the Holy Spirit reference before. If you haven't, or it's been a while, you might be wondering what that, um, and that's a great question. Awkwardly phrased, but a great question. And that's what this series is about. Um, being able to recognize and join the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, that the Holy Spirit is doing in, in the world and in us. So the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. Let's pray. Uh, great. What's the Trinity? That is one of the most mysterious aspects of the God that we believe in. Uh, it's very hard to explain. I'm not sure it's possible to understand it. People claim that they do. My best answer for what is the Trinity is I truly do not know. Like it is, I think trying to explain the Trinity is the result of finite beings trying to grasp an infinite God. But to the best of our understanding, throughout the Bible, God is described as a trinity. He is one God in three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The best example of this that, one of the best, I haven't found the best. One that helps me, but breaks down really fastly, quickly, is the metaphor of like the sun. We have the sun, we have the light that we see from the sun, we have the heat that we feel from the sun, you can't really separate all of those out into distinct things. With, if there's no light, there's no sun. The sun can't exist and not produce light. They are three aspects of this thing that exists. Not a great analogy, but that's the one that helps me when I'm trying to sleep at night. It's paradoxical. It's mystical. It's mysterious. God is one while also being three, at least three. And the Holy Spirit is that third member. So... If the Trinity isn't hard enough to wrap our brains around, the Holy Spirit as this third person of the Trinity presents 
unique challenges for us. We've got God the Father. We've got God the Son. Those are metaphors that make it easier for us to describe and understand. The image of a father, the image of a son puts God in anthropomorphic terms that are easy for us to relate to. Whether positive or negative, we can relate to that. But the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God or just the Spirit sometimes, or like if you want to be old school, the Holy Ghost, um, I don't know what to do with that. I have no other context where I'm, I was talking to this ghost the other day. Like, what do you, what? There's nothing there. It's just, it's too abstract. Um, We don't have images or metaphors that help us understand the Holy Spirit like we do the other members of the Trinity, which is unfortunate because it leaves us with these really abstract images for the Holy Spirit. On top of all this, the Holy Spirit is the least described member of the Godhead throughout the Bible, I think. That presents unique challenges. It's easy to think of the Holy Spirit as being distant and impersonal and unfamiliar and unrelatable. It is for me, anyway. But it is vitally important that we're familiar with the Holy Spirit because it's a member of the Trinity that interacts with us the most today. And so the more that we're, we're able to recognize with the Holy Spirit, the more that we can join God in what he's doing. The goal of this series is to help us become more familiar with and more easily recognize the Holy Spirit in the world and in ourselves. So this week we're going to be focusing more on internally what the Holy Spirit does, although all of this applies to externally as well. We're focusing on internal. And the hope tonight is that you will see that the Holy Spirit, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to bring order to chaos, to foster purpose and meaning out of our lives, out of our chaos, out of your chaos, out of your potential, to lovingly shape you into the person that you were created to be. So to to talk about the Holy Spirit, we actually have to go back to the very, very, very beginning of the Bible, which might sound counterintuitive to you. There's this event that we've talked about in the past called Pentecost that happens in the New Testament. After Jesus dies and uh, is resurrected, he tells his friends, hang out in Jerusalem. I'm going to leave again. Hang out in Jerusalem and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. 50 days go by after Jesus leaves. And this event happens where the Holy Spirit uh, comes down from heaven and rests on all the believers and all these amazing, miraculous things happen. And in Christianity, we often have this misconception that that's the first time the Holy Spirit ever shows up. And that's just not true. We're gonna, it's all throughout the Old Testament, but we're going to be looking at the very beginning of the Bible when the Holy Spirit first enters the scene during the story of the creation of the universe. I talked about this in the past, but I, I have to keep coming back as this is the thing that I think makes the most sense uh, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit to introduce it at the beginning. So this is Genesis 1 verses 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Look at that. Only had to get two verses in. Boom, Holy Spirit showing up right away. Very active role in creation. The Holy Spirit played a very active role in our existence. But what's really going on in just these two really famous verses. What can this verse tell us about the work of the Holy Spirit? 
turns out a whole, whole lot. And we're, we're barely going to scratch the surface tonight. Uh, but to do so, we're going to look at a, bu- a couple different words that show up in this verse. The first word that I want to talk about is this idea of, of deep and waters that it said the spirit is floating over. What you need to know about this is that ancient cultures, particularly um, Jewish and Hebrew cultures, water or the ocean was a symbol of chaos. It was a symbol of the unknown. It was something that was feared because it was uncontrollable and unpredictable and destructive and mysterious and ominous. You can't see what's in it, but there's things in it that will kill you. It will kill you. It can either be uh, really peaceful and allow you to sail across it, or it can crush your ship and kill everyone on board. It was scary. So anytime you see the ocean show up, there's this like ominous, chaotic sense. It's often referred to as an abyss, which is what the word deep there literally is. That translates, that, that word abyss is like a bottomless pit, which is often you hear it associated with hell. So this verse is describing how the Holy Spirit is hovering over that kind of ominous, dark chaos. Now that sounds bad, but chaos here is not an evil thing to be conquered or overcome. Many other ancient cultures considered chaos like this something to be dealt with, something that God had to come and fix, an evil to be conquered. But here, chaos is potential potential that has to be lovingly shaped and fostered into being that becomes more clear in the next two phrases that we're going to be looking at. Um, like this next one, spirit of God in Hebrew, you may have heard this before that literally says Ruach Elohim or breath of God, God breathing into this void. It's a very intimate, um, tender thing. Someone has to be real close to you to feel their breath. Probably uncomfortably close to you to feel their breath. I think that's the point and level of the intimacy that's being conveyed here. So we see here uh, the Holy Spirit right at the beginning is being so close and intimate with this formless, chaotic creation. It's as though God himself is breathing over it. And finally, maybe the most important word for us tonight is this idea of hovering, that word hovering. This word is a very, very hard word to translate. Um, And people translate it a number of different ways. Uh, Sometimes it says the Holy Spirit swept or, or over the waters or moved or hovered. It's hard to translate because it only shows up one other time in the Bible. But I think that one other occurrence is really key to our understanding. And that takes place in Deuteronomy 32, which is four or five books later, five books later um, in the Bible. And it's at the very end of Deuteronomy 32 where this author is trying to describe God. And they use this metaphor of a mother eagle who hovers or flutters over her nest and her young, protecting and caring for them. It's the exact same word used here um, to describe the spirit hovering over the chaos. This idea of hovering carries the connotation of a bird brooding over their young. The word carries an idea of something being moved or affected, especially with with feelings of tender love. Like birds, like a bird over her eggs, the Holy Spirit 
broods over this formless void, coaxing possibility and order and life from what would otherwise be chaos. I think the image of a mother bird fits really well with this idea if you, if you also think about uh, a mother bird feeding her babies. I don't know if you've ever witnessed that. It is one of the most chaotic things you'll ever see in your life. These little birds that like have no feathers, can't see, just scream at the top of their lungs until their mom feeds them, which I'm sure you all know how that works, but it's gross. Uh, but literally, this mother bird, there's all this chaos going on, and this mother bird brings order to it literally by feeding <laughs> these little beings' potential, literally by coaxing maturity and, and infusing them with life as they grow older and older and learn to fly and go get their own food. The same thing is happening here in Genesis 1 with creation. What we're seeing here is the Holy Spirit, like a loving mother, hovers and broods over this watery chaos, preparing to breathe order and life into it. And while this is the work that the Holy Spirit did at creation, we see in other places of the Bible, this is the work that the Holy Spirit does all the time. Not just on a broad creation level scale, but individually in us as well. It's not an accident that you, you may be familiar with this story. When Jesus is baptized at, in Matthew chapter three, before he starts his ministry, we're told that the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove, like a bird floating or hovering on him, over him, bringing order and meaning and purpose as Jesus is just beginning his three-year ministry. We see something similar on that day of Pentecost that I mentioned earlier that takes place in Acts chapter two. When the Holy Spirit arrives, it is described as a blowing wind or breath. And it's described as what looks like tongues of fire coming to rest or hover on each person that followed Jesus. Again, that word rest can be translated as hovered. Again, alluding back to this action of the Holy Spirit at the very beginning of everything. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit again, hovers over the people of God, empowering them in ways that they never expected, never experienced before, uh, in ways that changed the trajectory of their lives and ultimately the history of our planet forever. So what we see from all three of these examples is that the work of the Holy Spirit is to lovingly and tenderly bring order to chaos, to foster purpose and shape uh, meaning from pure potential, the Holy Spirit forms the formless. It fills the void with beauty and calls into existence things that didn't exist before. It gets rid of the weeds. That's what the Holy Spirit did in the very beginning of everything. And it's what the Holy Spirit works to do in our lives. Second Corinthians three, we read as the spirit works within us, we reflect the image of God more and more and more. So the work of the spirit is to bring order to chaos, our chaos. Where is there chaos in your life? Where is there chaos potential to be lovingly shaped into being and growing in greater maturity and depth of character? I find it's often a recurring, <laughs> a recurring theme in your day-to-day -day life. It's the weeds that pop up over and over and over again. For instance, in the past, uh, the Holy Spirit has worked on my heart to bring more patience in my life, which it's going to need to do again. But I repeatedly, during this season of my life, 
uh, when I mistakenly asked God to give me more patience, I repeatedly found myself in situations where my patience was tested over and over and over again. Like ridiculously long lines at stores, which used to drive me crazy. Um, it probably still does. Uh, traffic jams, which I don't do well with. Um, commuting long distance and communicating long distance with, in a very particular season of my life, very dishonest mechanics for weeks on end. It's just this thing that keeps popping up that you keep having to work on. Currently, I'm not quite sure what we're working on together, <laughs> but I know well, there's a number of things. I know it has something to do with wrestling with where I find value. The, the weeds that keep popping up in my heart are, are, am I willing to work for hard things that don't immediately feel worth it, but are worth it long-term? Like, am I willing to work for things past short-term returns? Am I willing to lovingly engage and shape the chaos of my children and help them grow? Or will I just become overwhelmed by them and check out? Am I willing to take risks and, and fail or avoid failure at the cost of just not really living my life? Do I have, ultimately, I think you can wrap a lot of this up and just do I have the integrity to be disciplined to live the life that I want? Or am I willing to just sit back and let chaos consume me? These ideas seem to come up constantly right now in my life. In my day-to-day -day life. So what is that recurring theme? Those thorns in your side, in your life that might be pointing you towards the Holy Spirit's work? Where might the Holy Spirit be working to bring order in your life? One last thing I want to mention is that many times, at least in my life, the Holy Spirit working to bring order to my chaos can feel like more chaos, uh, especially initially. A heightened awareness of my chaos uh, being pointed out to me can make me feel like my life is more chaotic because now I'm suddenly seeing it. But we can't really address chaos that we can't, we can't really bring order to it. We can't really foster it into being without being first aware of it. I also think just life tends to get more chaotic the more mature and whole that you grow because there is a growing disparity between order and chaos. And again, I, I don't mean that, I think that you are given tools and grow into being able to navigate that chaos better. But if you just even think about like, we're current, currently going through this right now, uh, the chaos that exists in a child that cannot walk and then once you teach them to walk, the exponential growth and chaos that that tiny person is capable of is, um, I can't put it into words. It's terrifying. And I think that just keeps being true of us. The more we grow and learn, the capacity for chaos is greater, but also our ability to navigate it hopefully grows and grows. Um, one role that Paul talks about the Holy Spirit taking in our lives is, is that the Holy Spirit convicts us. And I think that has to do with what we're talking about. I think that is bringing order to chaos, drawing attention to our chaos. Maybe, maybe that helps you identify the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Maybe that helps you join in that work or begin addressing that work. Um, I hope that this whole idea of the Holy Spirit being a tender, loving, compassionate presence that, that, dotes over your life trying to breathe, um, breathe life and order and meaning and purpose into your life, that that will help you be more patient with yourself 
and with others and maybe give you that little push that you need to take the next step in growing in maturity and depth. Where in your life is there chaos? Where might the Holy Spirit be working to bring order to it? Maybe something instantly comes to mind. That's probably it. Or if you have no idea, that's okay. You may need to spend some time reflecting on that this week. Or maybe you need to ask a trusted friend or, or um, significant other, because they <laughs> might see it better than you can, um, where they see chaos in your life. Whatever the case, the Spirit is working in you to bring order to your chaos, to foster purpose and meaning out of your formless potential, to lovingly shape you into the person that God created you to be, the truest version of yourself. Will you pray with me? God, thank you that you are still hovering over your creation. You are still breathing life and meaning and purpose into us. God, I pray that you would expand our minds for what life with you looks like, for what a relationship with you looks like beyond abstract terms to real relationship. God, I pray that we would be more and more open and aware and willing to step into the places where you want to grow us and shape us and mature us. God, thank you that you want that for us and you don't just leave us to be choked out by the chaos and evil in the world. We love you, God.